I've kind of got the, the, the permanent grin going right now for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because I'm nervous, just a little bit. And so I'm not usually nervous coming up to speak, but for baptisms, like there's a, little, there's a lot of stuff that we've got to do. It's, uh, Antley was saying this week, it's the, for a non-religious church, it's the most religious thing that we do um, throughout the year because it's a sacrament. That's kind of a big word. But really, um, what I want to do this morning is kind of simplify it and kind of um, represent this the way that it's supposed to be. It's, it's kind of a story. One of the other reasons I'm grinning is um, this week I was telling Antley a little bit about my own baptism story. And it's kind of unfair because uh, I'm, if you have been here for a while, you know that I'm kind of labeled as the redneck based on some of the stories that I've told. Um, and I, it's, it's, I, I, I do deserve it to some degree, but even on staff, I mean, so I just always get the, yeah, there's Derek. Is redneck. Even this week I was walking through San Marco. And, and Antley goes, look at Derek, he doesn't even belong in San Marco. He's such a redneck. And I'm like, what's up? I'm at Starbucks, I'm cool, I got cool jeans on. What, what's going on? What am, I, what am I doing wrong? But I told him a little bit about my baptism story. And I said, it's so unfair because I got baptized in a normal church. It was a cool, hip church, very, you know, normal. It wasn't hillbilly or backwoods or, you know, anything like that. But it happened to be the Wednesday when I got baptized, the baptismal was out of service or the deal where they dunk people. And sure enough, the thing that they bring out to baptize in was a cattle trough. <laughs> so, that's my story. It's just unfair. I didn't, it, I didn't plan it, but that's the way God planned it. So I got baptized in a cattle trough. But luckily, I came in this morning and I looked in the sanctuary... And lo and behold, there is an above-ground pool in the middle of the deal. And I thought to myself, it doesn't get much more redneck than that, the above-ground pool in here. I mean, the last time I saw one of those, I was at Daytona 500 watching Roundy Round, and there was a guy pulling one of those deals behind a trailer on a flatbed. There's a bunch of people in there popping beers and having a good old time. And now we got one in our church. And candidates, you're going to get dunked in it. Um... But this morning, I really wanted to talk a little bit about, just about story. Because baptism really is telling a story. It's telling a story really quickly and succinctly. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. And I'm a, I mean, if you've been here a while, I like, I like stories. I like to tell stories. I like to tell other people's stories and enhance them and make them better. And um, I just really love the art of story. And we do, as, as, as a human race, we are engaged by narrative. You know, we have the, the beginning, the character, character development of a story. We've got the middle where there's conflict and something goes, you know, horribly wrong. And then there's redemption at the end and you've got the players, the antagonists and the protagonists in the story. But we really love stories as a society. We, we dig and we get into them. We love telling our kids stories. Our kids get engaged by them. We read them books um, just because of the flow of it. And it's what pastors and, and, and ministers do. They always use stories to get you somewhere, to get you to believe, think, or do something. Stories work so well if you can tie them in. It's like all of a sudden you see a picture of what we're trying to describe in Scripture. You know, we use even movie clips because movie clips are so succinct. And we're, as a society, we're totally drawn into movies. We're absolutely enamored by movies. And I, I did a little research and looked at the kind of movies that we like, or even the Academy, um, when, when they do the Academy Awards, the Oscars, what kind of movies end up winning or at least getting nominated. It's like about half of them are all this redemptive theme. I mean, there's some independent films, and you can be cool and think, you know, oh, I like independent films. When the credits just pop up in the middle of the deal and you don't even know what happened or that doesn't even seem like an ending. I like the camera angles. 
They were very good. They had a long shot in the movie that was very creative. <laughs> but for the most part, I mean, when we get down to it, when we go to a movie, we really love the redemptive stories, don't we? I mean, we really love the brave hearts, you know, the gladiators, Forrest Gump even. I mean, there's just a redemption in that. Shawshank Redemption's even got redemption in the name. Um, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars for Rossi has got a redemptive ending. Um, but we love story so much because it draws us in, lets us disconnect from, from the rest of life, and we see that redemption in it. There's something about us that connects with it. But it's interesting as I interviewed the candidates, and it's interesting as I think about my own story of coming to faith, it's not, I don't, I, sometimes I feel like it's not that exciting. And it's funny, I know these guys won't mind me saying this, people are sometimes hesitant to tell the details of their story because they think they're, it's ordinary. They're like, ah, yeah, my story's the same as everybody else's. You know, I got, you know, saved by my grandmother when, you know, she walked me through the sinner's prayer when I was five. Or, you know, I went to camp when I was, when I was 12 and, and, you know, said the sinner's prayer, went walked the aisle and did that deal. And at 13, I rededicated my life to Jesus. And at 14, I rededicated my dedication to Jesus. And every year at camp, I got saved over and over again. Or I went to Tribulation House and they scared me into knowing Jesus. But we have these stories along the way. And I was even talking to high schoolers this week. We're, we're moving through Acts and we were reading about the story of Paul. And, you know, they're like, I don't have a story like that. My story's not that exciting. You know, I hear about guys telling their testimonies. You know, I was a, you know, I was a gangbanger and I was smoking rock last week. And this week, you know, Jesus saved me. And just these amazing redemptive stories. And like, my story's not that cool. My story's not that amazing. And... I think we do that to ourselves. We, we look at our own deal and we think, it's not that amazing. And this morning I wanted to say that everybody, the redeemed, has an amazing story. We have an amazing story. And I wanted to start with Jesus. And this morning we're going to talk about baptism. And the beautiful thing about baptism is it's simple. It doesn't save you, but it tells a story. It helps us to remember. You know, we were dead in our sins and our trespasses when we're, when we're upright in the pool. And then we are buried with Christ in his death. And then we were raised with Christ and his resurrection into new life. And it tells a story so quickly and succinctly. But I wanted to start, since we're talking about baptism, with who we need to talk about, and that's Jesus. I mean, it really is all about Jesus. You know, we sometimes focus on our own story a lot, but, you know, we say this a lot, but this is all about Jesus. What we sung about today was all about Jesus. So I want to start in Matthew three thirteen through 17, and I'm going to read some. I don't think I've got slides for this, but I'll read through it and just listen to what's going on here. And uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 13, says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I don't need to be baptized by you, dude. He didn't say dude, but he said, And you come to me? And Jesus answered him, he said, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. I love that he brought John into his own baptism. He said, It's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, the Holy Spirit, coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, there's a lot going on in that passage. I mean, you could preach in a whole bunch of different sermons just from that one passage. You know, why was Jesus getting baptized? But I really want to key on verse 17. It says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It was a father looking down at his son and he was pleased. 
And what I want to do, just hang with me. I'm going to make some connections to this passage in Scripture by going to some other Scripture and read to you kind of where we get our picture of baptism, this whole being you know, dead in our sins and trespasses and being buried with Christ in His death and raised with Christ in His resurrection. And we'll start in Romans 6. It says this, If we have been united with Him like this in, in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. I love this. Death no longer has mastery over Him. I'm just saying about that. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. That was it. It was a one-time deal. We don't have to work for it anymore. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And this is, the, this is the kicker right here. And in the same way, this is for you candidates, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the same way, there's some sort of uniting going on with, with us in Christ as he dies and as he's resurrected. In the same way. And then in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, I know this is a lot of scripture, but I really want to connect this to something. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's what, that's what his heart was for us. And in love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. We are adopted as sons in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given given us in the one that he loves. So through Jesus, we are sons and daughters. The redeemed. That's what we are. That's who we are. Through Jesus, we are sons and daughters, the redeemed. I wanted to just kind of connect this with, a, with a, a just telling you a little bit about um, just this one illustration that I think shows this idea that I'm trying to get around about our story being much bigger than we think it is. And it's childbirth. Now you think about childbirth and you think about being born. There's six billion plus people on the planet. We all got here the same way. I mean, if you didn't know that already, I hope you did. We all got here through, we are all born of a mother, right? There's, you know, just as I'm speaking here, there's been hundreds of babies born. I mean, it's just crazy. It just keeps on happening. It's pretty ordinary. It's the deal. It's the way that it happens. Over and over and over again. It's repetitive. It's the same story over and over and over again. We could hear it over and over and over again. And it doesn't change. You know, when we are born into this world, it happens through a mother, right? Same old story. But I think about, in my own life, my experience of birth and the way that I look at it is, and and I'll use my, my youngest son as an illustration. I have three children, Jack, Ellen, Abraham. Abe's my youngest son in the process of, of him being brought into the world. Now, he was one of those oopsie kids. You know, we weren't planning on him. Oopsie. And I remember Beth and I were in this difficult time in our lives, not in our marriage, but just in our, just in our lives. And all of a sudden, here comes a child. It's like, you know, if we needed the, you know, do we really need this right now? But I remember we both laughed and got excited about it. And one of the things we decided to do with... Uh, with a third child, we decided, with all of them, we didn't find out the sex. I know that a lot of people like to find out whether they're going to be blue or pink in the room, but we were like, we'll go with the seafoam green every time because we're not going to find out. 
Um, so it was no different with A. But another thing that we did that was different this time is we said we're not going to name him until he, or, or her until they come out. And we were going to come up with some, some probabilities, you know, four, four girls and four guys. I know that drives some of you crazy. You're like, how in the world did you do that and not have a deal all worked out before you went into the deal? But we, that's the Harmons. If you come to our house and see how we roll, you would understand. Um, so we go through the process of, 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 our, you know, of Beth being pregnant for another nine months. and um, We get to the, to the day. And I don't know, I, I didn't do any research on this, but I, just the third child, didn't it seem to come like a, a, I mean, quickly, like a rocket man? I mean, it was like all of a sudden we were in the delivery room and bam, he shot out and, he, and here he was. <laughs> right? It's just quick. I don't know. I mean, that may be the way it is with number three, but I'm not sure. But number three, man, he was quick. It was like we were there in the hospital and wham, bam, it, we had a child. And I remember holding him and it was like instantaneous, this beautiful, you know, thing. And it, we knew, you know, we had a few boy names but it was like because of what we had been through, because of our, you know, faith journey that year with the, the troubles we had been through, I, you know, we just knew this was Abraham. And it was like, you know, immediately I saw him. And he's, he's Abraham. This is Abraham. Lord, he is there. I wanted to do like the, you know, Lion King moment. Whoa! <laughs> well, the, the, nur- the nurse or the, the clean, cleans them all up and I'm, I'm holding them. And there's just this moment with my son. And I'm looking at him. And I just wanted to tell everybody. You know, you, you have a child and you want to Facebook everybody. It's this extraordinary thing. It's this amazing thing. You know, six billion people all born of a woman. It seems ordinary, right? But you are in the delivery room and you're holding your child. I can tell you right now, fathers all over the congregation right now know what I'm talking about. It is supernatural what's happening. It's amazing. You're holding your child and you are, all you want to do is text everybody, Facebook, get pictures out there. You want to show everybody your child. This is my son. His name is Abraham. And your heart's just swept away with him. And you're looking at him and you, and you're, you just can't, everything in you is in love with this child. And you're so excited to bring new life into the world. And you look at your son and you say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him. I love him with everything. New life into the world. Birth may seem like an extraordinary, just an ordinary thing, but it's an extraordinary thing when you're holding your child and you're looking at him and you're like, this is amazing. There's nobody like you. You've got the coolest hair on the planet. You are amazing. And as we see these verses, that we are adopted sons and daughters, candidates, you are adopted sons and daughters of God. And when he looks at you, it's no different than the way that he looked at Jesus. When he looked down, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He's looking at his sons and his daughters. And he's holding you and he's saying, you are my sons and my daughters. You were once dead and you've been brought to life. And I am so pleased. I'm so pleased. That's what baptism is. This, is. this is God texting everybody, Facebooking everybody, putting pictures on the internet. That's what baptism is. It's to help us remember to see he's so in love with you because of what Jesus did. Because of what Jesus did, we read in Romans. 
He made a way that he could love us in a way that's amazing. That he swept away with us. He looks down on us with such love. And in a moment, we're going to shout for everybody that comes out of the water. Not for each of them individually, but for God. For his redemptive power. For what he's done. Because he is a father that loves us. And as the, the redeemed in here. It's a you know, religious word. But you are. You're the redeemed as Christians in here. You're celebrating along with them the birth and a new life. Now these, all of the, I interviewed them all, you know, this week and, and they're all Christians. You know, bat, baptism doesn't make you a believer. But it's this picture of, it's a story. And no direct, you know, a director, it takes two, two and a half hours to tell a beautiful story. And God does it in a couple of seconds in water. It's like down and up and it communicates so many things that we were once dead and now we're alive, that we're washed clean. Wayne Grudem says this, and and just in talking about baptism, he says, The amazing truths of passing through the waters of judgment safely, dying and rising with Christ, having our sins washed away, are truths of momentous and eternal proportion that ought to be an occasion for great glory and praise to God. And that's what we should see this morning, as every individual, whether you know them extraordinarily well or you don't even know them at all, we shout to the top of our lungs. We praise to the top of our lungs. We cheer to the top of our lungs, not for them, but for this amazing thing that God's representing, this memory of him holding his children and saying, you are my sons and my daughters in whom I'm well pleased. Candidates, if you'd come up here and kind of line up right here, I'm going to pray and then we're going to, we're going to start.